When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey guys, it's Rebecca. Today we're going to listen to Athena Calderon. I met her years and years ago through a mutual friend, our friend Tolly at a flea market, and she was stylish and cute and beautiful and successful. And I was like, I hate her, but I love her. And we became friends. And it's been incredible to watch her journey going from someone that was covering design to being a designer to writing a book about food and having just an incredibly diverse multifaceted career. So this is Athena Calderon on Superwomen. Welcome, Miss Athena. Thank you, Miss Minka. <laughs> so first of all, I want to start with apologizing to my listeners because I have a bit of a cold. And so you're going to have to deal with this nasal, this nasality. I'm going to invent a word. Is that a word? No. (laughs) (laughs) So I've known Athena for a long time, but I would love to go back before, before you were ice wound, before everything. Okay. I would love to start with the early years. I've heard a little bit of a snippet of what your life was like. You met your husband. I Go back. Okay. I'm going to go back. I did things a little bit backwards as compared to, I feel like most people, not that there really is such a thing as backwards, but I felt like I was doing things backwards. I met my husband when I was 18 or 19. I had legitimately seen two penises before I met him. (laughs) (laughs) And I just moved to New York City and I kind of like wanted to, you know, explore and date models and see more penises. And then I met my husband and kind of- No more. No more. (laughs) (laughs) You know. So um, I got married at 23 or 24 had a baby by 26, had not really figured out career yet. I was um, like dabbling in a lot of different like creative realms. I was a dancer and... What kind of dancer? I studied modern dance and I was on a dance team in high school and we like traveled around the country and competed and like it was intense and amazing and offered me discipline, but it was also, well, I don't know. I guess I'm going to, I'm going to lead with it was intense and I, I loved, I loved dance. It was like... I like ways of expression still now, nonverbal expression. I feel like everything I do is about nonverbal expression, whether it was dancing or now it's food or design. I've never really been as good with words as I am with like creating an emotion. Sensory. An experience. Sensory, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I found my, I was, I came to New York and I was doing a little bit of modeling and I was studying acting and then, and I was, um, yoga teacher training. And I was like on this like spiritual yogi path. And then I got pregnant and yeah, I just kind of was, was a mom and I was really fulfilled and happy, but also really struggled because I knew I had so much to offer creatively. And, um, I couldn't really figure out or find what it was that I was meant to offer the world. And it felt really isolating too, because not many people at 26 had babies. Um, I was living in Dumbo, which 
you know, at the time, nobody lived in Dumbo. It's not where they take wedding and uh, stretch limos go now. No, definitely not. Because <laughs> where bodies were dropped off. Yes. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I was I, I didn't know anyone that had a baby at the time. And it was kind of isolating and beautiful at once. I traveled a lot with my husband, but I would come home from these like amazing trips and journeys and just be like, Wah, wah, what am I like? And, and I'm not saying there's something wrong with being a homemaker and, and, you know, being a mom and choosing that path. But I just knew I wanted more and I couldn't figure out what that was. So I was like depressed at times, like really un- unhappy. But then I was like, I should be happy. I have this gorgeous family. I, you know, I have so much abundance. Why do I feel so unfulfilled? But I just wanted more. And was trapped a little bit within the confines of my own mind. And my husband would be like, you know, what's wrong? Is everything okay between us? And I was like, it's not us. You have a career. You, you know, like, <laughs> and it was just, you know, I, I just couldn't find my place. When you were living in Dumbo, you guys purchased your first place. We did. We purchased our first home and investing in real estate and buying our first home at such a young age, um, really was what was leading me on an unknown path. Right. I didn't know at the time. So even when you purchased it, you didn't know like this is going to become passion that shows its way later. No, no. And even as I was like designing my homes and I went back and um, I studied interior design, I still didn't know how or where it was going to lead. I mean, I, I, um, when Jeevan, my son was, I think three or four years old, I went back to school to study interior design, which was born through, through the, you know, this kind of love of real estate and renovating and designing my homes. It was, it's interesting because like most people find their passion, their community, their careers outside the home. And for me, it really was all kind of born inside the home. I, I start, you know, I started feeling really fulfilled through all of our travel and really informed by different like textures and um, architecture. And I would come home and kind of both in the culinary space, like play around with different like flavors from my travels, but then also, you know, let that inform my design aesthetic. So I, I started to find this creative outlet within the home and um, really kind of dove into that, because, not because I wanted to make it a career, but because I didn't feel like I had anything else at the time. And it offered me purpose. It offered me creativity. It offered me eventually like this social outlet because I would invite people to my homes and I was proud of my homes and I would cook these dinners and start entertaining. So where I've landed now with iSwoon and like in this kind of role as, you know, entertaining expert, home chef, you know, interior designer, it, it all was a really organic process that started in the home. Did you feel most natural in that in terms of, you know, I can say I love interior design, but it doesn't come to me very easily, right? I feel like I have to research a zillion Pinterest or go on your Instagram feed to like figure (laughs) out what I want to do. And even then it's like one tenth of like what I see you create. So was it something that you just found your groove with? Um, I think that I've always been super visual and where there's a lot of things in my life, I, I had trouble trusting. It was something that I actually found that I had certitude and like I I felt confident about. Um, So I guess I always trust my instincts with design and I like when things feel varied and juxtaposed and something feels a little like off and fucked up. And like, I, I, I think that I am a really good curator. I can kind of pick 
and choose different things and find a way to make them feel harmonious. I don't know if that's innate. I, I think it is. Yeah. Um, and I, same with food too. Like were you during this time before you had an official website or a book, were you also experimenting with culinary things? Yes. I'm a perfectionist. And I started out baking because I knew that there was like a science behind it that, you know, like it, it's not an option for me to fail at something. So, <laughs> like that really anal part of me was just like, okay, if I follow this, like exact, 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 like to the millimeter, like it will perform well. So cooking really started through baking and I started like obsessively reading like reviews and I also I've always had a little bit of an insecurity that I I didn't find that like one thing I didn't like after college I didn't have this like you know career that I like threw myself into so I've always had like a little bit of an insecurity about education that I'm not like well read and not articulate and like I don't feel well educated and so now whenever I do anything whether it's design or food but this really started with food I like read a shit ton. Like I just wanted to like educate myself about how and why to get like a really great, you know, flaky, you know, French tart crust, you know, and I, I kind of read reviews and kind of picked and chose different recipes. And it was really experimentation. Like my Victor travels, my husband travels all the time. Jivon, I didn't have a nanny. I, I didn't have a big social life. And I felt like when I would put Jivon to bed, I would just start like baking and put music on and kind of like dance around and roll out pastry. And like, that was, that was my weekends. <laughs> and what was that transformative moment where you looked at what you were doing and you said, I have something here. I want to turn it into, I guess the first step was Isoon. The first step was definitely Isoon. I mean, I started taking more and more classes at Parsons School of Design. And simultaneously, I was also taking classes at the French Culinary Institute, which is now the ICC, um, so I was definitely like honing my skills, but it was like such a, it was, a, it was a really interesting time when I decided to form iSwoon. I, I just, we just bought a house in the Hamptons and I renovated that. And it was the first like really big renovation that I'd ever done, um, kind of soup to nuts, like gut renovation. And it was also the first project that I'd done on my own without my old interior design partner. And that got published at the same time I had the idea for iSwoon. So it was kind of like this interesting turn of events where um, I had this new home. I was really proud of this new home. I started to invite people over. You were one of them. I was. Um, I was like, oh, gosh, <laughs> now I really need to be successful so I can have Athena Decker at my future home. <laughs> But yeah, I started like hosting and cooking more and, and, you know, having house guests and people would ask me design advice and people would ask me, you know, for my recipes. And I soon was really a way for me to just share kind of what I'd learned with friends in the beginning. And this is so hilarious of the sign of the times, but my friend Ben Pundle at the time tweeted, I like made a Tumblr site with my recipes, like from the weekend prior and shared it with a group of friends. And, and he tweeted about it. And I was like, no, 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 this is just for my <laughs> friends. Like you're not supposed to share this. And I was like, okay, I guess it's public now. I'm Icewoon. <laughs> <laughs> and so you started with Tumblr and then obviously it became a blog. I remember when you came to photograph me and I didn't, yeah. we had maybe met once before. And I'd never picked up a camera before. 
Um, I knew nothing about what I was doing, like, you know, shooting manually. But it was also such an exciting time because I was learning something completely new. I was learning like back end digital SEO foreign stuff that I didn't know what that meant. And I was like learning about photography. And um, I mean, I look back at some of those photos and they're all out of focus or like overly saturated. And but it was such an exciting time because I wasn't young. I mean, to be starting in like the blog world, I mean, I was in my 30s and just to learn something new and feel really proud of it and throw myself into something felt really great. And, but yeah, I didn't know you and I didn't know what I was doing. And I it was it was my version of like really taking a risk and stepping outside of my comfort zone. And so just to go back just to for our listeners, you didn't just um, have a wad of cash that you bought your apartments with. You really took from what I know and please tell the story like you bought a place you put everything in you made it look incredible then you sold it and that's what gave you the next and the next the next yeah yeah I think um we we've made really smart real estate choices my husband and I together we're not like rolling in this crazy cash but we've always taken we've always taken what we've had you know, put a little bit into it. And we we caught, we definitely got really fortunate and like caught this like loop in real estate, especially like in Brooklyn and in Dumbo. But yeah, we would, we would, we would take whatever profits we made when we sold something and we weren't doing it as a flipper. Like we were actually doing it because our needs were changing. Like we needed a second bedroom when we had our son and then, you know, we wanted outdoor space. So every time we like bought and sold rather than like, and I don't know if this is smart, but rather than like taking the profits and like investing it in a 401k, we would just like throw it all back into the next project that we bought. So we just kept like roll. We we bought and sold almost seven or eight apartments and we just kept whatever profits we made. We kept like throwing it into the next one. So, you know, right now what we own in real estate is like so completely at odds with what we actually make on our tax returns. Like they don't add up. Right. We just we just made smart choices. So you start Icewoon unofficially with Ben Pundle tweeting. Yes. <laughs> and it's a blog. It's on Instagram. And from there, from what I see, obviously, you are documenting these incredibly delicious looking meals. Yes. And did someone say to you, we'd love to do a cookbook? Or did you go, aha, that's my next step? Or how did it all happen? I mean, when people ask me, like, what's your five-year plan, like, in the back of my mind and even, like, outwardly affirming it, I would say I would love to do a cookbook, but I really didn't know, you know, if that could or would become a reality, but I kept saying it and I kept believing it, and, um, yeah, it was, um, I had a manager at the time who I feel like also, I had no idea that, like, a blogger could have a manager. And, you know, that I, like, I kind of put out into the universe, too. Like, another friend of mine was represented by this manager. And I was like, oh, I'm going to reach out to them. And, you know, I think that sometimes I've been, I've been, like, riddled by insecurity and self-doubt. But I think that you have to take a leap of faith often. And I feel like with the cookbook and also with, like, management, I just, like, kept, like, putting it out there, mentioning it to people. And and I, once I had this manager, I told her that I wanted to do a book. And it was kind of serendipitous that um, Abrams happened to be meeting with another one of her clients that had, like, a much bigger social following than me. And she strategically had me come in for a meeting afterwards. And I think it's really important to, like, even if you're riddled with insecurity, to take moments that, you know, could be kind of a catalyst to bring something more and really sell yourself. And 
So often, even now, I feel like if I'm up for a job with a brand or something like getting in front of them and really like pitching and selling yourself is everything. And I just, I don't know, balls to the wall, <laughs> threw it out there. Like, you know, what? I could do this and I could do that and I could do design and I could do food. And I really like, I don't know, I sound really braggy right now. That sounded gross. But like, I, I, I remember knowing that I had this opportunity when I was in front of them and I really did do my best to sell myself. And, and I signed a two book deal and the first one was food and the second one was design. And I'm working on the second one now. So I would love to hear what goes into the book making process. Um, because I remember catching you at different moments and you'd be like, Oh my God, I'm so stressed out. This is so much work. Just like take me through some of the challenges that come with taking on that. Yeah. It was um, a two-year process, the book, and um, I don't think people talk about it enough. And I'm sure everybody has a different experience, but I, I had to deliver, I think, like 150 recipes and developing each of those recipes because you don't knock it out of the park the first time. I mean, sometimes you do. And it's not like you have a box sitting around of recipes. You're like, oh, these are my recipes. Yeah. I mean, at first it was just like <laughs> writing down a list of ideas. And, you know, I think there was like 300 ideas. And then it was like narrowing it down to like the 100 or 150 that I really wanted to execute. So that took a lot of time and effort. And I'm I'm an intuitive cook normally, like I, I, you know, just intuitively like toss a bit of this and that together. So it was also really different, like really documenting in a super granular way, like everything that I was doing. Um, and sometimes that took a little bit of the like pizzazz out of it. And I was like, oh, well, I just like throw some salt in. I don't really know, like if I'm going to measure it, how much it was. So um, anyway, each of those 150 recipes, sometimes some of them took two times developing them. Some of them took like four or five times get to get it right. So um, that process, and it's a seasonal cookbook too, so I can only get certain ingredients at certain times of the year. So um, the recipe development process was a really lengthy one, um, but an, an exciting one. And then you're kind of testing the recipes through someone else. So you're like giving your recipe once you feel like it's in a great place to someone else to make. And then they give you back feedback. And wow. then you go back and you implement their feedback. So, you know, every recipe that's in the book, you're almost making like five or six times and you're buying ingredients. So it was like, it was a really exciting time. And also I went back to culinary school because I felt like when, and again, this goes back to like my own insecurities of like maybe feeling like I'm not enough or, um, I don't know, like I, I felt like I needed to legitimize myself a little bit that I like had this opportunity. So as I was doing the recipe development and also working on iSpoon and doing a renovation of my home, I was also in culinary school three nights a week. And being a mom and a wife. And being a mom and a wife. The process of the cookbook was amazing. I learned so much about myself. I learned so much more about recipe development. I learned so much more about flavor and seasonality and, you know, made all these incredible relationships with like local purveyors and farmers. So, you know, in a way it like expanded my knowledge and excitement in the culinary space so much, but it was, I was taking on so much. I was like a shell of myself. I was really overwhelmed. I was really fragile. I wasn't taking care of myself at all. I wasn't working out. I wasn't taking any supplements. I wasn't having enough sex. I wasn't laughing enough. I wasn't like present enough with my child. I, I had zero headspace to just be. I was so... I was just spread so thin. 
And then we were also doing this uh, most recent house renovation at the same time. So we were really financially strapped. Um, so I kept taking on more and more work. Like when things came at me, I would just take it on. And it it was to the point where I just was, I, I was crying daily. Like it, it was such an exciting moment in my life, like doing this like beautiful townhouse renovation, doing a cookbook, like everything I ever dreamt of was coming true. But I was like walking around a living zombie. So, and then I was like feeling guilty about it. Like, why aren't I more joyful? Like I should be so much happier, but it was just a lot of stress all at once. And, um, also taking on all of the creative direction and all of the visuals because I wanted to like layer in my design background into the book. And I'm also like with, with my perfectionism, I'm also a control freak. So it was like (laughs) really hard for me to like delegate and let other people, you know, I'm usually like the food stylist and I'm usually the creative director and I'm usually the prop stylist and I'm usually the photographer. So I like went from me doing everything to like really having to trust and I hired an impeccable team, but it was still so hard for me to like let go a little bit and let someone else do some of the things that I normally do. So when I was on set shooting the actual cookbook, I found myself sometimes being super quiet and instead of like assertive, like instead of owning, like, oh no, you know what? I don't really like that, you know, fork with that, you know, plate. And I think that we should style the food this way. I would almost get like a little passive aggressive, like, oh, well, you know, maybe do you think we should kind of sort of like move it this way rather than just being like, hey guys, you know what? This is my recipe. This is my book. Can we not do that? (laughs) Because I'm not feeling that. So I learned so much about myself, about like how to stand in my own power and how to um, believe that I deserved to have a voice and found that, find that voice. So even though it was really challenging the whole cookbook process, I learned so much about myself. So you are taking that power into your next book. Mm-hmm. So you'll be that much more assertive without uh, the, yeah. the wonder that if I can. Yeah, for sure. And how did you stop yourself from the cycle you said you were in? You know, like you're not sleeping, you're like all that stress. How did you suddenly go, okay, stop, I need to take care of myself or I need to change what I'm doing so I feel like you can celebrate what you're doing? Yeah, it took a really long time. I kept complaining about it and saying like, oh, I need to make a change. And I almost felt like the people that were close to me were like, yeah, 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 you know, you say you want to start like working out or go back to yoga or like meditate or take long walks. And then I just never would. Um, but it was a culmination of things. And it, it kind of just happened. You know, the book came out almost a year, exactly a year ago. But then I dove into book two and, you know, finishing up my house was just published in Architectural Digest and having the weight of that shoot added a lot of pressure too. So after Architectural Digest was shot, that was a huge weight that was lifted. And I found like a breath of space for myself. Um, And then I made the decision to ask my publisher if I could push back the release date of my second book, which was really hard for me because I also like, I like to deliver things on time and I like to even be early with things rather than, you know, letting people down. But I just felt like I owed, I couldn't keep letting myself down and I owed it to myself to ask for more time So it was those two things. Uh, Oh, and then because we were really struggling a lot financially, we like pulled equity out of our house. So 
This is a lot of information for you. I think it's good because like the people that just know you see this beautifully curated life. So to know that there's like, you know, they're struggling everything, you know, there is, I mean, I might be sharing too much, but, um, you know, there was a time this past winter where like, we didn't know how we were going to pay our mortgage or our son's like school tuition. And, and that's like a really scary place to be in. And it also caused a lot of like, Victor and I have been married almost 20 years and we are an unbelievable team, but the financial stress coupled with like the cookbook stress for me, coupled with the gut renovation and like not being able to pay, you know, our contractor and them asking us, you know, repeatedly for payment. Like, you know, it was just like, it puts so much weight on Victor and I, and it was really tense. And, you know, I honestly felt like I, not only was I crying every day, but like, I felt like I had a stick up my ass. I was like so tense all the time. So how did you do? I mean, I think what we don't talk about often enough is these challenges, but like, what were the actual, how did you get out of that? I mean, there's the mental part and then there's the like, okay, what's the action plan and what do we do? I firmly believe, I mean, it was a struggle, but I firmly believe that you do what you have to do to get through a rough time. And, you know, I sold really precious jewelry that had significant meaning to me to get through, you know, this house renovation. We rented our house for, you know, two and a half months because we needed the capital in order to pay our contractor. So, you know, you do what you have to do. Things might look perfect and glossy on the outside, but you know, there's always, you know, internal struggles and you have to make choices sometimes and that sucks, but you know, you make it work. While you're having this space, are you allowing yourself to think about what might be next besides your book or how you're going to change your path to work on the next book and not let yourself get back into that cycle? I've found a way somehow to like manage the stresses of work lately. Um, Like I'm still, even if like, you know, today, we had to do like a quick mini photo shoot this morning because I had to deliver it a photo to a brand. And I was just like, I could have not gone to SoulCycle this morning because I knew I had to deliver this. And I was like, they're going to have to wait because I need to take care of me first. Otherwise, I'm going to be miserable. And, you know, it's so interesting when you just like start to give yourself a little bit of love, like how much love is reflected back to you. Because all of a sudden I'm like, even my son was just like, you're a different person. Like, I'm laughing more. I'm playing music more. I'm like having sex more. Like I'm giggling and cuddling with my husband more. Like everything just falls into place when you put yourself first. You know, I, I, I don't know how once more and more pressure comes on, you know, starts being thrown at me, like how I'm going to like retain this place that I'm in right now. But I know that it's really essential right now. And I know how good I feel right now. And then as far as what's next, I really want to do product. I feel like I need something to be tangible. I feel like a lot of, well, I know everything what I do is kind of more experiential, I guess. And I want something tangible and I want to exercise both my culinary and my design background and, you know, do, do either a furniture line or a tabletop collection or, you know, things that could live on the table, but also in the kitchen. So um, you know, cause sometimes I'm like, I don't know, I don't know how to do that. And like, that's a fun place to be in, you know, I don't, I don't know what those next steps are, but I'm again, just like putting it out there and asking for help, which I think is really important and just trying to utilize the relationships that I've made and be like, Hey, I want to do this. Um, I don't really know how, can you give me some advice? I love that. I love that 
you know, most people are scared to ask for advice because they don't want to seem like weak or like they don't know. But I think I ask for it all the time or I ask for it and then you get so much, you know, Mm -hmm. it's like being vulnerable allows people to help you. Yeah, for sure. You're really good at that. I feel like, I feel like you're really good. Being vulnerable all the time. (laughs) No, not being vulnerable, but being like, I know what my strengths are and I'm going to, you know, I'm going to keep myself where my strengths are and then ask for help where I, I struggle. Definitely. Especially putting on eyelashes. Are those a struggle for you? Those are a struggle. (laughs) (laughs) So one thing I want to also touch on is most people think that when you're a founder or you're an entrepreneur, like you get more vacation time or like you said, you're not traveling. But I feel like as an entrepreneur, I'm probably working more, right? A typical person working in office, for the most part, gets to work from eight to six. But I feel like I'm always on, right? I guess there's a before and after, but how do you sort of create that structure so that, you know, you are a mom and a wife? I'm not going to say the word balance because I don't believe in that, but yeah, how do you create that world? Well, for those two years that I was really struggling, I, I was answering emails until like midnight and I was on social media, you know, constantly. And, and I still really do struggle with like being on my device too much. But I've started to not look at emails at all after dinner, like after 6 p.m. Like I just won't do it because if, if, if I'm looking at them, I'm going to think about them as I'm falling asleep and I'm not going to get good sleep. But I really am trying not to work after 6 p.m. And also in the mornings, I've really like started to have a little bit of a ritual, like rather than like waking up and looking at my phone, I'll like wake up and I'll light a candle. Like I, I like to wake up like 30 to 40 minutes before my family and like light a candle and burn like sage or Palo Santo and like have this little ceremony for myself in the morning and um, just kind of like sit with myself without like being on my phone. And so those are little ways that I try to do I love that. that. Yeah. I need to try that. It's nice. The last time I burned Palo Santo, I was on a boat and our toilet was broken and it saved, it saved us. <laughs> It saved our marriage. <laughs> oh, the ways that Alessandra helps life. <laughs> so one of, I have two last questions before we wind down. One is to share something that most people would be surprised to know about you. I just shared one that my marriage was saved by Palisanto because the toilet didn't work on the boat. But anything that like people <laughs> don't know that it could be funny. It could be a weird quirk you have. It could be... um. Oh, God. (laughs) Me and my breasts were on Sex in the City. Just your breasts? There was a scene (laughs) in the steam room with Charlotte, and that was me. And I always get random DMs from people. I mean, I came to New York to study acting, and the first job that I got was on Sex in the City. And Sex in the City was like all the rage at the time. Of course. I was just like, I don't know. I got to be topless. I'm not sure. Like full naked. Not full naked. Like no like bottom naked. No, but, but like, like nipples. Nipples out. Wow. Yeah. Um. Anyway, I told my mom I was going to be on Sex and the City, but I neglected to tell her that my boobs would also be on Sex and the City. <laughs> so she went and told like my entire town and she was mortified when it finally came out. But anyway, I legitimately weekly get like emails like, um, I don't. I don't mean to be disrespectful, but like, were you on Sex in the City? <laughs> like, yep, that's me. Those are my boobs. Those are my boobs. Pre-kid. Oh, man. <laughs> pre-kid boobs. Well, 
That reminds me because I ha- now have three. My daughter looked at my breast this morning. She said, Mommy, why are your boobs so long? <laughs> and why is one longer than the other? Oh, my goodness. I was like, they have fed all of you. <laughs> Girl, get that shit fixed. Oh, it's going to get fixed. <laughs> <laughs> Just waiting to make sure I'm actually done having kids first. So my last question for you, and one of the reasons why I wanted to start this podcast was uh, leaving our listeners with an advice that they can take into their day, change something about their life. So any last words of advice you'd love to leave our listeners with? I really think that I held myself back for a long time because I believed that I had to define myself by being one thing. And it wasn't until I like embraced all the multifacets of my personality that I found success. So I think don't listen to kind of the world's advice that you need to be, you need to follow the straight and narrow and just, you know, be you, be your quirky self, you know, be varied and know that you can find, you can find success there because I think that there's only one of you in this world. And if you don't just trust and embrace who you truly are, you, you'll never find content, even if you find outward success. I love that. Thank you, Athena Calderon. Thank you, Rebecca Minkoff. (laughs) (laughs) So, my loyal listeners, I really want to hear from you what you want to know more of, who you want as guests. You can email us at superwomen at rebeccaminkoff.com. That's superwomen at rebeccaminkoff.com. Don't be shy. And don't forget to download, rate, and review us. 